today on Growing Through Grace. You that, that, that would be leaders in the church, here's Paul's best advice. Practice what you preach. Do the things that you say you should be doing. Because it's the best way to convince people that God is good. Listening to Growing Through Grace with Pastor Jack Abelan of Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California. And we're looking forward to getting back to the study we started last time in Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 38, where we join Paul for this final word to the Ephesian elders. Pastor Jack has been examining Paul's warnings against false teachers, and then we'll go on to look at the encouragement given to support one another. So let's join our teacher now for the conclusion of this study, the final installment in our mini-series, Paul and the Ephesian Elders. Here's Pastor Jack. We've seen that happen here. Who Folks just, they just prey on the new believer or the young saint and, and they, they hang out. They, that's their strategy. Come into the parking lot, put little flyers on your car. And if we catch them, they're going to jail. That's all. It's a reward for being an idiot. You know what I mean? So stay away from our cars. But, but they'll try to do it. They'll just kind of come and, and they'll try to, to make merchandise of you. And it happens and, and they, they, they put little tracks on your cars with the weird things. We've had some, you know, some weird stuff going on. But um, they usually get a foothold in the church by hanging out with us, making friends. You know, Soon they undermine you know, or it comes out what they really want to do. They, they get their own little group together. They, they sanctimoniously leave usually with a few disciples. They're, oh, come with me. You know, I found a better church. These people are terrible. And I love where I'm at now. And some ruse of complaint, some spiritual declaration. And God is leading us. It's like these perverse words that accomplish their purposes. Um, and we got to be careful, right? We got to be on guard that we're not caught up in the enemy's work. And Paul was sure that it was coming. It was coming from without, it was coming from within. We've got to be on guard. Sometimes uh, overseers desire larger crowds, and we've seen good churches, young churches, turn from declaring God's word to almost apologizing for it. Removing the scriptures from the pulpit, speaking words that are more palatable and, and, and appealing to the flesh, um, lowering Bible expectations, setting a low bar. You know, sometimes uh, there, there's a church that, that we know that is fairly large who have grown in, in, in the last five years considerably, but here's what they've done. They've brought famous movie star sports personalities and put them in the pulpit. They're not saved, but they're appealing personalities. They're, everybody wants to see them. Oh, I want, can you sign my Bible? Well, do you even know a Bible? But yet it's, it's been real good in, in filling the pews and and people get excited and they all gather together and um, <laughs> they'll harbor, you know, they'll let people involved that, that harbor sin and, and, and the, you know, the preaching begins to change from the Bible to everything's positive, you know. Who likes to talk about hell and draw a crowd? You want to talk about blessing and answered prayer and, and isn't God good? And, 
Well, you know the kind of folks I'm talking about. There's a lot of seeker-friendly churches today, a lot of emerging church doctrines, a little contemporary, fitting in. Uh, they, they don't declare God's ways anymore. They, they, they make room for social outlooks and lifestyles that draw crowds. Um, I have, because I've been around for a long time with, with pastors and friends that are in ministry, watched men who are in ministry decide that they will bring onto their staff like or into their boardroom just businessmen who aren't godly men, but we'd like their, their business acumen. We'd like their, 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 their outlook in business. So we, the church needs that, you know, but rather than looking for the godly man, they begin to compromise. They, they value scholarship over anointing, and so they, they brag about the education of the pastor. They, 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 they want that issue instead of spiritual qualification. Um, we've seen it before. People gather a group to themselves. They they take off on their own. They've got their own unique ideas. But, but for me, it's, it's just a battle for the heart of the people. You want them to do well. If you don't want to be here and you want to go somewhere else, I'll give you a list of churches that are good. You know, we're not the only band in town. And if God uses us, great. If he doesn't, you know, I'll be the first guy to hang it up. But you don't want to get deceived. You, know, you want to find a place and plug yourself in. And if you're going to do well in a church, you're going to have to put up with the people you don't like and the things you don't appreciate and the folks that aren't on your side and things that didn't go your way. You can find that everywhere, unless it's your church. And then everyone's going to leave you because they don't like your attitude at all. You know what I'm saying? So Paul said to these men, you know it's coming. You know, the, the doors out there are, are open. They're free. It's free to get in, free to get out, Right? And, and, and everything comes in and everything blows out. So you got to be careful to, to get in the pulpit. There's, there's a little sign in here that says, Sir, we would she, see Jesus. That's what it says right here. We would see Jesus. That's all that matters, right? you got to leave here seeing Jesus and, and loving him. So there's the warning. Second of all, verse 31, Paul says, Therefore, therefore, because you know this, watch, be on guard. Remember, Frau, for three years I didn't cease to warn you every day and night and day with tears. Paul was a vigilant pastor. You know, from Jesus' parable of the wheat and tares we read, you know, once the tares are rooted, they're hard to get out. The best thing you can do is to keep them out before they settle in. So when Paul wrote his last letter to Timothy, he's going to be killed now. He's going to be beheaded. He knows it. He said to Timothy, watch in everything and endure the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Just hang in there, buddy. This is not going to get any easier, but it's going to be worth it. When uh, Ezekiel wrote to the, the, the elders of his day, and the Lord was speaking through Ezekiel, he said, Son of man, I've made you a watchman over the house of Israel, so keep my word in your mouth and warn them for me from that word. Speak that truth. And protect the people. Watch over them. Take care of them. Paul said, I want you to watch and I want you to remember my example. How I modeled for you what to do. You know, you that, that, that would be leaders in the church. Here's Paul's best advice. Practice what you preach. Right? Do the things that you say you should be doing. For example, if you're an usher and the church has started, I don't want to look out the back there and see you just goofing around with somebody. If we're worshiping God, you should be worshiping God. You're an usher. Pay attention, man. You know, you should be worshiping with us. If you're a worship leader, 
but you're not up on stage, you ought to be singing along. You're a worship leader. Practice what you preach because it's the best way to convince people that God is good. If you are a church member, come in on time, not 20 minutes late. Have respect for what is going on. Be here, man, or try to be here, right? See it through. See it through. Be an example to others. If, you're, if you want to witness to people, here's what you shouldn't do. Put yourself in a picture on Facebook with a beer in front of you. I see it a hundred times. I know you feel free. and Look, to be honest, I have no problem with you. You want to drink a beer? Good. Go ahead. I'm sure it's not going to keep you out of heaven. However, you got to worry about the people that watch you. That's your responsibility, too. If you can, if you can do one without the other, I don't think you can. you got to be careful of your example. And I always grinch when I see you, especially if you're in our church. And I'm going Facebook, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> really? And I want to send stuff. In fact, I'm just a, I type all kinds of stuff and then erase. <laughs> if I ever send, I'm probably going to be in big kind of trouble. But I type, my fingers get hurt <laughs> trying to get the thing in there. Because you shouldn't do that. Practice what you preach. A lot of people in our church that are alcoholics that have come out of alcoholic lifestyle that can never drink again, and they shouldn't. And you got to help them to stay there. Not flaunt your freedom. Ah, look at me. Look, you can have freedom. I, I'm, not the, I'm not your tight, uptight guy. You go ahead. But do it in a way that you don't stumble anybody else. you got to be sensitive to the weak. Look, he said, watch and remember how I was an example to you. And it was a big deal to Paul. Notice his description. With tears night and day, I fought this battle. Night and day would suggest it's an ongoing one. And by tears, it would say, seem to be that not only is there no easy fix, but Paul took this to heart. He then says, warn everyone. The word warn is a great word in Greek. It's the word nuthesis. And nuthesis is a word that means to admonish with firmness and gentleness. It is, it is literally the word that the Bible uses for to give counsel to those that are weak. To give instruction to correct behavior. Paul said, I want you to just warn people with kindness but with, with firmness. Like, like you're not bending, but you're, you're merciful. And Paul knew what it was like to be left in tears by the people he was trying to serve. And he worried about the wolves coming in and destroying people's lives. We had a couple of people, and I, oh, they're gone. What do I care? I'll tell you. Um, I won't tell you who they are. Who left a few, maybe six or seven years ago, and they said, you know, you guys are not very spiritual. You do not practice people being slain in the spirit. You know, where you lay your hand and somebody falls down. I said, yeah, we don't do that here. And he, well, you should, man. You let the spirit loose, man. That's what's going to happen. I go, I'm not going to let him loose then, because that shouldn't really happen. And, and then I tried this. I said, you know, in the Bible, from what I can tell, everyone that was slain in the spirit was either, was either defying God or about to die. Because God, look at me. You don't mess with me, right? So... Other than the priests said that they couldn't get off the ground when they were serving in the, in the temple or in the tabernacle. There was no example for that for us to follow. And they said, well, we're going to a place down the street, and they, they allow that, and we're just so happy. And I said, well, then enjoy yourself. You know, ha have a, a good time with it. But it, it's such a horrible thing when you, when you see people that get caught up in things that, that aren't going to help them. Um, I think the most difficult part of pastoring is the people. How's that for insight? 
If one for the people, this would be a great job, but I don't know who I talked to. I think the bottom line is the, the disappointment of seeing people do poorly is certainly the hardest thing that we can have to deal with. Um, so Paul was very interested that these folks do well. You know, To have the truth of God but not warn people is like fattening them for the slaughter. Paul was like a dad to these folks. I think. He, he didn't want them going astray. They were his kids. So he says in verse... 32. So now, brethren, I want to commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are being sanctified. Paul had given them and showed them all that he knew. He's now going to leave. He doesn't believe he's going to come back. We have no record of him coming back, to be honest with you, although he gets out of jail for a little while down the road here. Um, he's not going to be able to stay to fight the wolves. He's done his best to prepare these men. He realizes it's not going to be easy. And he says this, I, I'm praying for the people, and I'm praying for you. And then he says this, I'm going to commit you, pastors, to the care of God, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to commit you to him. No substitute for praying. <laughs> I thank the Lord for all the prayer meetings we have at the church every week, and, and you that come faithfully to pray. And sometimes... There's 30 people that show up to pray and 600 prayer requests. So we know how to ask for prayer. We're very good at that. We also need to learn to pray. So Paul commits himself to pray for them, and then he commits them to God's grace, which I love, the word of his grace. It's one thing to tell people what they ought to do for the Lord. It is far better to tell people what God has done for them. Because the motivation then to do is, 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 is actual, right? If you know of God's grace... You know, what, what did Jesus say to Mary Magdalene? Because she's been forgiven much, therefore she loves much. If you are aware of the grace of God in your life, you're going to do a lot of things you wouldn't do otherwise. You, you'll pray, you'll read your Bible, you'll serve others, you'll deny yourself, because you're indebted to the Lord's grace. Um, and that's what Paul says here. I'm just going to, I'm going to commit you to God in prayer, and then I'm going to commend you to his grace, and it's able to build you up. You're going to be strong in the work that God has given you to do. So uh, I, th I think once you know God's grace, you, you go from, a lot of people see spiritual things as have-tos. Well, I have to go to church, or I have to pray, or I should read, read my Bible. It's a have-to. When you meet God's grace, you want to. And then if you stick around there long enough, then you just get to. Right? You go from, from have-to to want-to to get-to. That make sense? You grow in your motivation. So God's grace will build you up. Then Paul says this, verse 33, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. That doesn't sound like a modern-day preacher. Yes, you yourselves know that with these hands I have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me, and I've showed you in every way by laboring like this that you have to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I should tell you, those are words of Jesus that you'll only read here. We don't have that quote in the Gospels. But apparently, it was one that they understood. So Paul's view of his, of his ministry was that ministry is not a place to be covetous or seek gain or to get profit. There, there are, it's a vital issue because, to me, um, I have this strong feeling because of the way I grew up, I guess, that I, I hate 
the churches that are in that position where they're always begging for money or, or putting pressure on the people. I just figured it this way. If God's paying for everything, he probably can handle it. He probably don't need me being like a shell, shell for him, you know? So if you've been here for any length of time, you know you, we never talk about money. We take offerings on Sunday. We let the Lord handle it. All of our bills have always been paid. If we get to a place where I'd have to start begging you to give because we can't make the bills, I'm going to quit. I'm just going to quit. Because I want God to be God. And he certainly is able to do that. And he has been able to do that through the many years that we've been together. Ministry is no place to be covetous. Hard work is, is, is something that God blesses. Profit and gain cannot be a part of the formula for being in, in ministry at all. This is not a place to get rich. It's not a place to promote yourself. It's not a place to, to line your pockets. It's, God takes care of the folks that work here. We have maybe 20-some people that work here, and, and we, we want to take care of them as best as we can. We, we've set up re retirement for all of the pastors, so if they are here all theirs, they'll be able to retire, not just have to, you know, scrounge to make ends meet. Um, none of them are getting rich. But God has been good to us. And, and I love Paul's attitude. I, I wasn't here for gold or silver or apparel. You know, I worked hard with my own. Paul, Paul made tents during the whole time that he was in Ephesus, three years. Didn't take a salary. He worked, and he worked to support him and the people that were with him. Um, his eyes were on the eternal. I guess that's the, the point I want to make, you know. Uh, the happiest man in the world is not the person who has the most, but is content with what he has. I remember hearing a, church, a story. Let me see if I remember it. A long, yeah, long time ago. It was, it was cute, though. Let me think. Wait, wait. I had a stroke, so wait. <laughs> I'm using it to the best of my ability. Uh, oh, it was a guy that was getting married to this woman, and, and he bought her this huge diamond. And it was the second largest diamond to the Hope Diamond. And uh, he said, this is the Rabinowitz diamond. And she said, he said, but it comes with a curse. And she said, what is that? He said, Mr. Rabinowitz. <laughs> okay, and I thought it was pretty fun. <laughs> I liked it. You guys are terrible. <laughs> We try as a church to operate as inexpensively as we can. We operate all of our retreats and outreaches simply to break even. We don't want to make $5. We just don't want to lose it either. We want to be responsible for what we're doing. Our bookstore, our thrift store uh, make profits. They all go to support the radio that costs hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to be on 400 stations across the country. My wife and I together, I think, have written 18 books. All of the 18 books have been signed over to the church. We've never seen a penny, nor do we want to. It was written on church time with, with, with support from the church because they, they've sold because they're on the radio. I wouldn't be able to be selling them on the radio if it was, I was on my own, so it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to, to the church. So all of that stuff's been signed over, which means we can hawk it freely because we're not getting anything out of it, you know? So buy them all, please, because <laughs> the money goes to the radio. It's the, it's the way that... We're, we're thankful for, so we're not seeing any money, you know. And like I said, seek first the kingdom and, and everything else is added to you. All of our bills are paid. We're about to embark on a multi-million dollar project that we're going to be able to pay for in cash. God has been good to us. We pay all of our bills on the tithing of about 30% of the people from the church. 70% of people don't. They, don't. they don't tithe on a regular basis, or they're still learning or they've learned and decided they're not going to do that. But whatever they do, God has a way of providing. And I, 
And I have no idea what you give. I don't see it. I don't want to see it. If I knew it, I'd be nicer to you if you were a big giver. <laughs> and I wouldn't be near so nice to you just sitting around doing nothing. So I love Paul's attitude. And I think it's a biblical one. Let the Lord provide. Don't you think he could provide? He has to be able to. We have to all believe in that, right? That God is able to provide. We put him first. So... Um, you can't fault Paul the way that he handles money and finances. He, he says to the Philippians, I know how to have lots. I know how to have nothing. Uh, just I'm content to know that the Lord's going to take care of me. Unfortunately, the, the TV evangelist of our days and the, the fiasco and the constant fundraising efforts paint a picture of a God who's desperately in need of your help. I am truly sorry that that's like that. The God that I serve does not need my help. I need his help. You need his help. He doesn't need your money. He can do without you. He was fine before you came along. He'll be fine when you go. So that's the God we want to serve, isn't it? Greater than us. Paul said, I did this. You remember how I lived. Do that the same way. His hope was that this new generation of pastors would not you know, progress in the wrong direction, but to stay where they, they should be an example like Paul had been. It's more blessed to give than receive. I don't know when Jesus said that. But everyone agreed he did. Finally, verse 40, 36, feels like 46, right? 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with all of them and they wept freely and they fell on his neck and they kissed him and they sorrowed most of all for the words which he spoke that they would see his no, face no more and then they accompanied him down to the ship. Time to leave, tears and, and prayers. The church stands on the shore waving goodbye to Paul. They won't see him again. But I suspect that these elders, and unfortunately we, we did three once, weeks to go eight through 18 sentences. Um, I, I imagine these elders all went back those 12 miles back to Ephesus determined to be the kind of believer that Paul wanted them to be. You know? I, I think I mentioned to you, if I didn't, um, yeah, I did mention to you because a couple of us guys talked about it. When, when our church first started, we had a, a men's or a, an elders retreat down in Newport Beach at at the Ayers Hotel. We just went away. Uh, I think last time I told you that the wives come, my wife told me that they didn't come. So it was just a bunch of guys. And I'd call Pastor Chuck and said, could you come talk to a bunch of guys? We're just, the church is just getting started. And uh, Chuck said, well, I'm speaking in Dallas for the weekend, but I'm flying home Saturday night because I have to teach Sunday morning. I'll stop by on the way home from the Orange County Airport. I said, well, that'd be great. I said, if just come say hello. You know, acknowledge what the Lord is doing. They'll just be tickled to meet you and and just uh, be blessed, you know. And he said, all right. So we had dinner at like 6 o'clock. It was like 8 o'clock. He was driving home. He had to be at the church at 5 in the morning. And he'd been gone all weekend teaching. He had a suitcase with him. He just kind of walking in, you know, Pastor Chuck. And, and uh, I introduced him, and he sat on the edge of a little table like this. And he opened his Bible, and he spent the next hour going through these 18 verses with our guys. I still have it on CD. I, I, it was the most moving study that I, I ever heard him teach. He, you know, it was just Chuck at his best, no notes, no, as the Lord led, you know. And I think all the guys, there's so many of them here that you ask, they'll, they'll tell you it was like the, the most phenomenal week that we ever had. So uh, I'm sure that these men went home with, with their hearts like laid open and like, I'm going to do good. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to have the Lord use us. Paul was a great example. Oh, what great encouragement and instruction from this passage of Paul and the Ephesian elders. 
We've been listening to a study taken from Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 38. This has been the second half and conclusion of a two-part study taught by Pastor Jack Abelin. If you'd like to get the entire message, we do have that available for you. All you need to do to order, simply contact us and ask for study number 3079. When you get a hold of us, be sure to mention the call letters of the radio station that you're listening to. And as we're studying the beginning of the church, how about going all the way back to the beginning of creation? It's always good to see the foundations of our faith in the very first book of the Bible. And here in the month of February, we'd like to offer to you Pastor Jack's teachings through the book of Genesis in the MP3 format on either a single CD or a USB flash drive. Pastor Jack takes us to the account of creation, the flood, and the beginning of God's covenant relationship with man through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So if you'd like to get Pastor Jack's studies through Genesis in the MP3 format, either on a single CD or a USB flash drive, or to get today's study, just dial our toll-free phone number at 866-88-GRACE. That's 866-884-7223. Again, that's 866-884-7223. You can also order by mail. Just address your letter to Growing Through Grace, P.O. Box 1954, Whittier, California, 90609. And as always, we have this resource and all of our others available online at growingthroughgrace.com. That's growingthroughgrace.com. That will bring things to a close for us today. We do appreciate you tuning in. So until next time, as you daily walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, may you continue to grow in His grace. Growing Through Grace is a listener-supported ministry brought to you by Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California, the Calvary Chapel Outreach.